Raised on D&D Podcast helps enrich your family's gaming experience by bringing you interviews with parents, educators, game designers, and influencers. Join us as we delve into the many ways that tabletop role-playing games inspire creativity, develop communication skills, and create lasting bonds among players. Your host has been an avid gamer since childhood, and now his kids are being raised on D&D. Here's your host, Nick Cartarelli. Welcome back, gamers. I'm your host, Nick Cartarelli, and this is Raised on D&D. My next guests are from Texas. You know them from their YouTube and Instagram, where they show videos of playing Dungeons and Dragons with their kids and pictures of their games, crafts, and books. They're currently focusing their YouTube channel to feature new games, book reviews, and crafting. Please welcome the parents of D&D and family, Amanda and Benjamin. Hey, guys. Thanks for being on the show. Hey. Hey, Cam. Thanks for having us. We're super excited. You know, I love your YouTube channel and the Instagram. It's so inspiring. All the crafts, the miniature painting, the book reviews. It's fantastic. Before we jump into all the things that you guys are doing at D&D and Family, I wanted to have you take us back to your very first experience with tabletop role-playing games and where your love for Dungeons & Dragons began. Who, who wants to start us off? Um, so, uh, Benjamin had a little bit of experience with Dungeons and Dragons before I did his dad played, uh, back in the day. And so he had some knowledge, but hadn't played too, too much. And then, uh, he discovered critical role and showed critical role to me, which I very, very quickly fell in love with. Uh, and possibly surpass uh, his obsession with it. I'm a little, I'm a little bit of a critter. Um, <laughs> she's, and- she's listened to both campaigns like four times. So. <laughs> <laughs> Doing dishes, whatever. I throw it on. I'm there. Um, but we, you know, had just had a new baby and we're kind of missing getting to hang out. Uh, with some friends of our own and a lot of our friends were kind of in different places with their life as far as like work and family and marriage and all that. Um, And so we decided to get a bunch of friends together and have them come over to our house. We can potluck dinner. Um, Kids can have their epic movie night upstairs. The parents play downstairs. There's food galore. We all chip in and it became a, Like, let's get everybody to have a nice night without having to stress about babysitters or, you know, any of that. Uh, And it's become a regular thing for us. It kind of it really made a, a nice little family group for us. It's pretty solid. That's phenomenal. And whenever you make a D&D night, a party with food and friends uh, always brings it to another level. So, Ben, I want to comment about this. So you are a generational gamer, as it were. Your dad played D&D back in the day. So describe to us what that was like growing up in that gamer household. Were you included at it or did dad and his friends go into the basement and just came back out four or eight hours later? Uh, so... I actually, I have never gotten to see my dad in action. Uh, unfortunately, uh, he, he was really, really big in college. I grew up with him telling me stories of, um, uh, of all these, all the different stuff that he did in college, but he was like, they were super serious about it. 
they would start Friday when school ended and then uh, they would end Monday when school started. So they uh, said that they'd like wake each other up if there was something really important happening with their character or something. Uh, but it became super all encompassing in his life. Uh, and then he just kind of stopped after a while. And uh, but it was there's always been like this like nerd connection between me and him. He introduced me to all things like Lord of the Rings, Elric of Melibony, uh, all, you know, all these different books and fantasy series. And, uh, and when I discovered Dungeons and Dragons uh, later, I, I did a little bit in high school, but it was more like we all talked about playing Dungeons and Dragons a lot more than we actually played. Uh, and then when we I started doing it in uh, for our, for our friends group thank you uh for our friends group we uh i started getting more into it i started talking to him about it again and every once in a while i just see like a little spark in his eyes and be like oh that's cool because there's a lot of new things it's a it's a very different game from it was when he was doing it in the you know late 70s early 80s it's there's a lot more um like terrain and just like tools like he thinks D beyond is like a really really cool little <laughs> tool that he would have loved to have when he was playing so one day one day i'm going to pull him into a game and we're actually going to play together it's going to be great that's phenomenal that's really incredible and i remember uh growing up i've been uh, a gamer for over 30 years now and i remember those days of marathon games that lasted from friday night to monday morning and do i miss them no no i don't miss them <laughs> I, I, I i would never do that again but it takes, uh, <laughs> a, it takes a good stamina check it really does <laughs> i had a lot of mountain dew a lot of mountain dew folks um but uh <laughs> but but what what an incredible connection you can have with your dad and now you guys have that connection together. And so, Amanda, you you mentioned that critical role really played an instrumental part in you discovering this amazing hobby. Now, had you not had any experience with tabletop role-playing games up to that point? I had not had a single moment of experience. So, for me, I'm ADHD to the max. I am super <laughs> visual. So seeing everyone not only voice their characters phenomenally, because I mean, come on, the cast is amazing, but seeing everybody get into their characters, it was kind of like just watching some friends hang out. And I was like, this is phenomenal. I would love to, to do that and just to have a good time and make up silly stories. And so it was just something I kind of fell head over heels for right off of the bat. Um, and then getting to see all of our friends enjoying that experience. You know, I had it vicariously through watching Critical Role, but then getting to see it happen at the table where, you know, someone just kind of gets into the moment and slips into their character real hard and, and everyone around the table cheers. And it's just, it's been magic from the get-go and I love it. <laughs> well, tell me a little bit about your friends group. So are these all hardcore gamers or when, it, when you guys said, hey, come over for a potluck and you went, hey, surprise, guess what we're doing? <laughs> <laughs> kind of the second one, honestly. <laughs> uh, we So when uh, I started this, I worked on uh, Fear the Walking Dead as a uh, as a prop maker. Wow. And, uh, 
my free time is spent not free. It's just, <laughs> you know, uh, so I, when I was organizing this, I had to find other people who had a similar work schedule as me. So there was a couple people from actually fear. And then I, I had some friends that I grew up with that I've known since I was 11 years old that have also joined the group, but none of us, not a single one of us had ever played Dungeons and Dragons before. Um, and I mean, like I said, I had experience with it in high school, but that experience was more the dream of it than the actual, you know, playing of it. But I was like, I want to do this. Uh, I got all the books that I could and I just started like diving into it and learning how to DM. And I uh, learned a lot those first couple sessions for sure. Uh, and eventually our game is now to the point where we still we talk about it all the time. We have a, a chat group that just goes constantly, but no one had ever played, uh, yeah. which may took a little bit of the pressure off of me at first because I was like, Hey, these guys have no idea if I'm good or not. That's going to be fine. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but then, uh, it's been, it's become so good. It's been so wonderful. It's been really interesting. We, we have two, uh, friends tables sure. now, uh, as well as running games with the kids. Um, but our, our table one, our OG group, we started that game with the premise of we would like some friends, please. We would like to hang out. We love our babies, but we need other parent friends who can understand like, okay, we got to pause the game because somebody's crying or someone needs a juice or we got to change a diaper and we needed flexible folks. So we brought friends in with the hope of us all learning the game together. And that game's been running for, oh, three years? Like three oh, and a half years. Yeah. Now. Wow. And uh, it's an awesome campaign. We have... You guys are just, uh, you're level 10 now. So they've yes. gone from first to 10th level so far. Yes, yes. Wow. So we've got friends who, some of them started out with no kids. Everybody is officially a parent now. <laughs> yeah. And we had a friend just get it married is a couple of months ago. <laughs> Um, and so yeah, when we started, we called it a parents group. There was, uh, two people in there who weren't actually parents or and now everybody is. It's so great. Yeah, <laughs> so. Fantastic. And then our second table, we got together because we wanted to play more frequently because everyone's parents and our schedules are pretty cohesive, but you know, it's, it's hard to schedule. Sometimes we wanted to throw another game into our mix. So we decided to see about looking on a Facebook group and polling for some local people who were really in love with the game, who wanted to give it a chance playing at our house. So, right. We wanted kind of the opposite experience of our first game, which was a bunch of people who uh, bonded over the game, uh, but knew each other beforehand. Uh, and we wanted to meet a whole new group of people who we'd never met before, but all shared the love for the game and then bonded that way. And, uh, and the, the two groups dynamics are very different. Uh, group one is very much kind of like a, a football hangout game where everybody's just chatting and having a great time. Book two, group two is like, as soon as we get there, we're starting the game it's and we're, we're going. <laughs> um, and it's just, it's so great. And it's, uh, and, and it's really fun to, to like, pick up on those different dynamics between the game, but it's a lot of fun. That's uh, an incredible story. And I love it because it shows that friends can come together over the game table and the game can amplify that friendship and strangers who love the game can come together and grow in friendship. And that, and I think it's wonderful that you guys put yourselves out there and tried 
both of those experiences. Uh, that's wonderful. It helps you grow as a dungeon master, it helps you grow as a player, um, and it definitely helps you grow as a person. So that's fantastic. Yeah, and it, they and the real like special thing is those both of those groups of friends have so much become like more of our friends. They're like our best friends now, uh, more so than any other people outside of Dungeons and Dragons, even though I've been friends with longer or so. So, yeah, that's something that we've definitely noticed with the community, not only in our own games, but like, especially our Instagram community. Oh my goodness. It's just so positive. It's been so sweet and kind. Everybody is lovely. And we've been able to meet such a cross section of people um and when you guys go slay monsters together it's hard not to bond it just yeah. is even if the group the first group we try really tries hard not to bond in character <laughs> they uh, they still do <laughs> one of our characters has a, a no bonding policy <laughs> she's not very good at that policy though she bonds <laughs> all the time <laughs> And that bonding around the gaming table, uh, like you mentioned, Benjamin, that's so powerful. Having gamed for three decades, I have people that I played a single session with at a convention, and we don't talk for a decade or more. And when we bump into each other, we're right back there. You remember that time with the troll, and it's instant friendship all over again. So it, it's a, it's an incredible bond. Now you guys have shared this love of Dungeons and Dragons with your children. How many children do you guys have? We have three beautiful girls, uh, 12, six and three years old. And when did you, uh, at what age were they when you said, you know what, let's sit down and start rolling dice with them. Uh, we, so I started with my uh, Isabel, who at the time was three years old. That's our middle kiddo. And I, I went out because there's so many things that I find can be really advantageous to children. And it can be such a good learning tool, like just the imaginative play and just like being in a world where you're focusing on a story and uh, and and with kids, it gets all crazy and go, goes all kinds of different places because there's not there wasn't a lot of. Uh, a rule structure to Izzy and I's earliest games. It was more just uh, like number recognition and uh, loss acceptance was, was like a big one for that. I thought was a good learning tool because, you know, the dice is a good like proximity for like, if you fail or, or, or succeed. And so we had to be like, Oh no, you couldn't do that this time, but let's try again later. Um, and uh, we, we just, all this kinds of different stuff that rolls up into this magical little, like, you know, 20 minute play session with the kiddo that uh, she took off with. She talks about Dungeons and Dragons more than we do. Maybe now um, she's actually starting to DM her own little impromptu yeah, she, games. <laughs> yeah. She constantly asks us if she can, we can play and she can DM. Um, well, the great thing about when Ben started, we had just had a baby. Um, and so she became our official middle kiddo. And as a middle kid, I understand the struggle of feeling like, oh, big sister's so big and has so much freedom. And here's this new baby who's getting all my snuggles and attention. Where do I fit in? So Ben 
decided to sit down with her because she had seen us playing at the table with our friends and had expressed interest in the game. He decided to take a moment to do something just with her. And so that's why if you'll go to, uh, when you go to our YouTube channel, uh, the videos that we have there are her very first games. And it was just to have a special little nugget of time where it's just dad and daughter and, uh, you know, making a story. And it kind of went awry sometimes that lost acceptance is like Ben talked about. That's a hard one for a three-year-old to go, but I, I didn't, I didn't roll the high number. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you bunked me on the head, even though I had magical protection. Nope. Sorry. You oh. know, it was, uh, it was very interesting to see her not only she recognized that she was getting special time, that she was getting to be brought into the fold a little sooner than her sister's. Uh, but to see her start to pick up the game intuitively and not realizing that she's learning to to navigate that world and how to make the dice rolls advantageous or if not advantageous, at least very hilarious. Yeah, uh, it was really sweet to see. That is wonderful. And Benjamin, you mentioned that playing with young players is very different from playing with adults. Can you share with us a moment that kind of surprised you? Like uh, you presented a scenario and you thought she'd do one thing. She ended up doing something that really uh, took you by surprise. Oh, yeah. So when we were playing in one of those early games, she I had a frog hemoth uh, come out in the swamp and attack her at one point. And she called upon a stink beetle to distract it and make it smell uh, bad. And it was just it was just such a funny little moment that uh, was not, you know, just a uh, uh, I'm going to hit you or something. It was just it was just something that came from her head just completely out of nowhere that uh, just I want a magical stink be- beetle to come distract this monster for me. And it was just it was, it was hysterical and perfect for the moment. Because that's, that's one of the things we want to do is we tr- we try to. uh find situations where we can use not combat with the kids to like solve these little social interactions uh, that can then happen. And that's just further training for, you know, regular life. And it's such a great tool for that. It is. You're absolutely right. And I love how they think outside the box. They're not on rails. Older gamers like me would read the monster manual. So we'd be fighting for four levels with the same sword. And then we face a mummy and we know only silver can hurt it. And suddenly, for no reason, we put our big <laughs> sword away and pull out a little silver dagger and say, I'm going to fight yep. the mummy with this. And the dungeon master would say, I know what you're doing and it's wrong. Right. right. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and so but children don't have that those rails they can think outside the box they can say i need what i need to distract a giant frog is a bug that will help me i mean that is wonderful so you guys now uh did you eventually incorporate all the girls into gaming at the table together tell us about that Yes. So um, after Izzy had started running some games with Benjamin, uh, Emma, our oldest, expressed some interest as well. And so we ended up getting a little friends group together for her. This was right before the pandemic. So they didn't get too far in their campaign, but we had several, several sessions uh, with some of her friends uh, where they helped out a local town um and earn themselves a keep along the way and so and uh, amanda dm'd that one yeah yes. that was uh, i dm'd for her for her buddies and then eventually when covid hit 
you know, we weren't having as many people in and out of the house. Our grown-up games had gone virtual and uh, the youngest one was, you know, getting a little bit older to where she could at least sit at the table with us and, you know, dice gobbling it up in the corner while we actually play the game. Um, and so now we'll sit down and we'll run, you know, a little random encounter. My favorite thing to do is to reskin uh, one of their favorite shows or movies with the plot. And that way it's familiar enough for them that they kind of understand the mechanics of how they're going to solve the, the problem or how they'll approach it. But it's not always obvious as to why they figured it out. So it's kind of a little uh, confidence boost in their corner. Um, but yeah, we'll all just sit down and someone will go, okay, I'm going to DM real quick. We'll sit down at the table and bust out some dice and everybody's got a mini they're working on because we're usually painting and crafting and whatnot. So we'll yeah, that, put them on the table and just go for it. That's the other thing is it's not just uh, the playing of the game, but it's all the stuff that encompasses like the crafting and the mini painting. And so we're constantly doing those stuff with the kids as well. So Isabel and, uh, and, and Gizmo, uh, Gizmo is a nickname. Uh, Gizmo, uh, we have a little table that they can just go to and paint minis at any time they want to. So, you guys touched on a lot of great things, and Amanda, that is such a wonderful tip uh, for parents who are dungeon mastering for their children: is to take that plot device from a movie or TV show. I know with mine, they uh, really liked. Uh, crossovers. So they'd really like to have their favorite show characters make cameos and games and things like that. And I do my best with voices and try and like do imitations of their favorite heroes um, and just have them kind of pass through the adventure or give them the plot and things like that. But the idea that you take uh, a show or a movie that they had already watched and were familiar with and they go, oh, this is just like that one show. And like you said, it gave them a confidence boost. They kind of knew where it was going. So there wasn't so much uh, anxiety, right? So that is incredible. And Benjamin, absolutely. The, one of the things I love about Dungeons and Dragons, uh, especially with children, is that there is no end to where it can lead from arts and crafts with painting, miniature painting, and with terrain building to just researching history. How heavy is a suit of armor? Um, how does a catapult actually work? Those kind of things. And then even more so when we get into science fiction role-playing games, they want to know about how far a light year is away and they want to know how nanobots work and things like that. It's just, it's a constant constant, constant fuel for not only imagination, but curiosity and knowledge. And, and you can't, you, you, if you, if you could bottle it, you'd be millionaires. Um, oh, yeah. It's wonderful. Absolutely. It's all, it's just a constant, constant inspiration and funnel for all that creativity and curiosity, like you were saying. And I want to pedal back here for just a second, because you mentioned Amanda, that you started dungeon mastering for the girls and their friends. So is that, was that your first time getting behind the DM screen? Yes, it was. Uh, which even though I was just running a game for some little preteen kids, it, I still had the DM nerves. I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. I feel so unprepared. Um, yes, that was definitely my first time behind the screen and I absolutely love it. Uh, I have not DM'd for our 
grown up friends yet, uh, but I have a one shot in the works. So, and you were putting together a Strahd game. Uh, yes, I was putting together a Strahd game. Unfortunately, the group kind of fizzled before we got to run it, but I, I, I have plans. But the cool thing about that game uh, that she was doing is she was for a, a deaf group. She's a sign language interpreter. So she was trying to assemble a game that ended up falling through the cracks with scheduling and everything. But that was the real, the real hindrance there was we just ended up not being able to, uh, to get it together. We actually had several time zones um, involved with that one, but it was really interesting to consider the game from another viewpoint of how do we make this accessible to everyone at the table um, and what modality, what are we going to be using to make sure that everyone at the table is out on the same page at all times and getting everything they need as a player? So. Uh, I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm just blown away because as a dungeon master, I, I cannot imagine the, um, the talent required to pull off a game using ASL and the fact that you were making it more accessible to people to be able to experience the Dungeons and Dragons, the tabletop role-playing game experience, that, that is amazing. It was an amazing undertaking. And I hope that it gets back on track and, and, the, and the, uh, the scheduling works out so that you can do that. I'd love to hear about how that goes. My youngest son uh, is currently taking ASL uh, and in school as his, as his language. And, uh, and that is, that's very exciting. Um, guys, you got some incredible things going on. So real quickly, we know a lot of your fans are listening, but for folks who are new to D and D and family, can you tell us real briefly how it all got started? Like when you decided, Hey, let's, let's start putting this out there on YouTube and Instagram. Uh, sure. Yeah. So we, uh, it was those, it really started with those early games with uh, Izzy, where I just kind of wanted to show that it, the gaming in a capacity with the really small children is possible. And I, I didn't really have a, like a how to, to do it, but I, w- I wanted to just give an example of just like what imaginative play on a tabletop gaming experience looks like with such a, a young kid. And uh, and it kind of grew from there to uh, where we just like uh, it, the hobby itself became so encompassing for us that uh, it just it became really fun for us to like put other stuff out there. We started getting a little bit of following. And I think one of the first things that we did um, was we recorded the videos. Well, ben, Benjamin recorded the videos and posted it on YouTube, but then he also posted about it uh, on Reddit. And there were a lot of people going, oh man, I loved this game as a kid. I wish my dad had played with me or, oh, I've got a kid on the way. I cannot wait to get them their first dice. And we saw so many people saying, oh, I wish I knew how to do this or give us more examples. We wanna see what happens if, you know, how do you approach this situation with your kid? And so from there, then we decided to pop up the Instagram, which is, recently been our main mode of uh, uh, putting out content. Um, And the way we kind of approach that is mostly like, you know, fly on the wall photos or the kind of photos you would send to grandma. Look, kid, look, the grandkids are, you know, painting a little miniature. We'll take a snapshot and send it to her. That's the kind of stuff that we just want people to see real life examples of kids crafting 
or gaming uh, and whatnot, just so that they can see that it's possible for them to do it too. And I'm sure you know this being uh, a, a similar path that there's, there's a hunger for that. There's, there's, oh, you, there's a, a, people really respond to being like, oh, this is something I can, like, I can go down to my kids' level and really play with them. Uh, and, In a way that's enjoyable for me too. You're right. Exactly. Um, and so there's a lot of a response to that. And uh, also touching on the fly on the wall perspective, is that something we try very hard to make sure that our Instagram isn't like, we're making our kids dance or anything. We want to make sure that for them, it's just playing the game. And so it's not something that we are like, it's not a job for them. They don't, they're not required to do it ever. It's always, if they want to, that's why there's actually been some gaps in our content at times with the kids in in particular is because sometimes they don't want to, they don't want to, they don't want to play. They're not interested (laughs) in that right now. Their mood may swing this way or that way. And so we just kind of go with the flow. We take a lot of home videos. We take a lot of pictures. And if there's a little gem out there that we can share uh, with other people to spark excitement in a hobby, that's brought us so much joy. We're, we're ready to put that out. So. That is fantastic. And and you're absolutely right. I've heard from so many parents uh, over the years about how they were waiting to their child was D and D age to introduce them to tabletop role playing games. Or um, for some of my friends who uh, gamed in college in dark basements with beer and flaming hot Cheetos, they didn't. They, they their idea of Dungeons and Dragons was Conan the Barbarian and Deathstalker, nineteen um, seventies and eighties sword and sorcery films. They're like, how can you? How, how do you incorporate that with children? So the fact that you guys are sharing that content and showing, look, this can be done, and this is how it's done. And Reddit's a wonderful, supportive community, uh, and the fact that they gave you basically basically homework. Hey, check, try this scenario. How does that turn out with your kids? <laughs> and so that that's really, really great. My three are little stair steps. So they're a little about 17 months apart. And, uh, and so, uh, I've, I've shared before that basically I got stuck on an afternoon without mom and all three kiddos. And they were like, uh, five, four and three at the time. And I'm like, okay, I've watched all the wiggles. I can stand for one morning. Uh, what, What can I do that will buy me time? Because everything we've done is like 10 minutes and it's over. Right. So it was like, okay, what can I do where they're all corralled and they're all focused on the same thing. And, uh, I finally was like, I know maps, minis, big monster mini, uh, the, the screen, some character sheets. Um, this guy over here can't read yet, but that doesn't matter. And I got to get him the big chunky dice. So he doesn't choke, you know, those (laughs) kind of things, you know, but we, we made it work. And I, and it was like 30, 45 minutes of absolute focus and all these, uh, all these things. And they would pick up the monster mini and want to examine it and things like that. And I was like, wow, this, this, this worked. We, we made it. We made it through the afternoon. Um, and it all just kind of kicked off from there. And we just celebrated 11 years of playing D&D at the table oh, wow. together that as a family. Is- so, and, you know, and it, it's changed a lot and we've had a lot of experiences, but you're absolutely right. Families want, as parents want to share their hobbies, whatever their hobbies are, they want to share them with their children. 
And I think it's really critical, your, uh, your advice there about not forcing it. You know, we've, we've experienced that ourselves, my wife and I, where somebody just didn't want to come to the table and guess what? That game session didn't have four players in a, in a dungeon master. It had three players in dungeon master. I've had my children ask for one-on-ones even as late as eight and 10 years old saying, Hey, I, I have this character idea I made. I need your help statting it. And I'd like to sit down and run it through a scenario and just kind of see how it works and how it functions. And if it works great. And I think it's wonderful that your daughter's already starting her dungeon master journey. My middle one started his dungeon master journey about 10, 11 years old, really started to want to do that. And we're homeschoolers ourselves. Uh, Once he started showing interest in dungeon mastering, I said, Oh no, no, we're going to multitask this all day. And I said, I said, well, if you really want to be a dungeon master, you know, you've got to write an adventure and we've got to type it up on the computer and you've got to pick out art for it. And we've got to format it and this, that, and the other. And so he, he wrote his first adventure and ran it for the family. It was wonderful. So, you know, but again, going back to what you said, Benjamin, about how the, 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 the hobby brings about all these crafts and all these uh, endeavors into knowledge. And we were able to incorporate that uh, in the family as well. You guys have amazing content in the last year or so. You've been doing giveaways of great books that help families uh, and, and their gaming. What's next for D&D and family? Where, what can we expect coming up in the new year? So this year, we are going to be really, really focusing on getting our YouTube channel back and alive because that's uh, really where it started for us and uh, what we really want to do with our channel in general. We Instagram has been such a, a lovely way to keep up and like engage with the community and everything, but our heart really lies in making those videos. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we are uh, working on a few different projects. We're going to be doing making crafting videos soon. Uh, we are going to, we have, uh, we're going to be doing book reviews together and we're going to be playing more games with our kids. So, uh, that's really what to look for for, for us as the YouTube channel to really be producing a lot more videos. And that's terrific. And now it, is it youtube.com forward slash D and D and family? Yes, exactly. D and D and family. Yep. Terrific. We have all that great content looking forward to how to get started playing Dungeons and Dragons with, uh, with, with their kids. What do you normally tell parents? What's the advice that you, you typically give them? So like uh, we talked on uh, earlier, we touched on earlier um, taking a story that your kids are already familiar with, maybe something that you enjoy as well. Maybe there's a, you know, that weekend movie that you guys like to watch so often and you can recraft that. Um, One thing that as a DM, I prefer is to feel more comfortable with the world that we're going to be playing in much more than focusing on the linear story that's going to happen. Because as you know, DMing with kids, it's like herding cats. They're going to go in every direction. They're going to go on what's shiny, what's new. And so I have a vague idea of things that I would like to happen. 
and it, they can happen in whatever order the game the deems is appropriate in the moment. We really go by the dice and we kind of play in that sandbox um, and to not get too stressed if your kids are not into it at the moment or the story is not going the way you thought. The real thing to keep in mind is your kids are just going to be thrilled to spend time with you. Even if things go wonky, they're going to remember hey, my folks sat down with me and took time to just play, which you know sometimes can be really hard. As a parent, we're working, you know, we've got jobs, we've got kids, we've got the house to clean, we've got the pets to take care of. And to sit down and go, okay, let's pretend play can feel a little daunting or, you know, less than exciting. But when you keep the time you're spending together at the forefront of your mind, uh, it just makes for some really special memories. And uh, like we touched on even earlier about having that uh, shared memory and causing those moments of joy and remembrance, you feel like you really experienced those things. You get to have that with your parents and with your kids. And, Oh, you remember when we fought the dragon? Yeah. I remember when we fought the dragon. Yeah. And then, you know, the three-year-old goes, yeah, and I tooted in the dragon's face, ha, 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 you know, and <laughs> and that uh, you have those little gems to hang on to. <laughs> I think yeah, absolutely. Flexibility is something that I really try to, to kind of harp on when I'm talking to people about playing the game with it. It's like, don't be so rigid in the rules. Uh, be, feel free to, like, take the game in the direction that the kid wants to go and uh, just really run with it and don't stress too much. Like it's like Amanda said, the end goal is about the time spent with the the kids at the table and not necessarily about the the game itself. Absolutely. That bonding that we talked about earlier among friends and strangers, uh, having that within the family. I know that over the years, it has grown them together closer as siblings and definitely all of us together closer as family. It's wonderful that you're sharing that content and inspiring families to do that at home together. Um, so they can see the benefit that both yours and my family have experienced around the game table. Amanda Benjamin, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you for everything you're doing in the community. And we can't wait to see what's coming next from you. Thank Thanks you so much so for much. having us. Yeah, it was great. It was a blast.